Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. On episode number seven, multi-talented director Casey Johnson gives us the full insight and his views on entertainment. We talk touring, traveling, college degrees, performing, influential people, perfecting your craft, and much more. We heavily discuss directing and choreography, as well as tackle the stigma behind cruise ship entertainment. We keep it light, but always break it down to the core of each topic. Find out what his top five advice would be to help you later in your career. Let's take a listen to this week's one-on-one. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. Hi, Casey Johnson. How are you? I am great, Teej. Thanks for asking. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank. I want to thank you for coming on today and kind of sharing your experiences with everybody. Um, just first off, give everybody uh, insight of how you and I met and how we know each other. Okay. So we met working in California in LA mm-hmm. at Stiletto Entertainment yep. with uh, who was commissioned to do the show production for Holland America Cruise Line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time I ever saw you was on a cast board outside of Studio A. Um, yeah. Every cast would put together like a family portrait type situation. Yeah. And your cast did the artistic photos. Mm-hmm. And I think you did like a full on photo shoot on stage or something like that. And um, yeah, you were giving me line and modern realness. It was so good. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, he's fierce. And then you came and started directing as, you know, working as a director. And that's where I think we really got to work together a lot. And then we started teaching shows together and doing installs together. And the rest is yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I, when I made that little transition over, we, I feel like you and I were working together almost immediately after that. We, yeah. You and I started working on shows together and then it was it was many years that way. It was I felt like it was just that you and I were the team that was gonna go from show to show, but that's what happened. We we knew a ship and the two of us just went on that ship and continued doing it forever. For for sure. And I mean I had you know, I had two or three Yeah. Um two or three people I worked with a lot, but like you near near the end there, we were working together all the time. I and mean, mm-hmm. we were we were doing the Vista thing. Yeah. The Vista mm-hmm. class ship. So it was really Really awesome. And being roomies on the ship, too. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen a Just lot of things. We've seen 24/7. A, lot, a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. On that job. And it's it was really nice to have a buddy to share that experience with. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so speaking of experiences, what was your first set of experiences getting into the industry, whether it be dancing or singing, acting or any of it? Okay, so without like making this epic three part series, (laughs) (laughs) I will just say that it started actually, it's quite funny. Um, I was introverted as a child, very indoorsy. If I could watch a TV show or a movie or play Office, I did. I was very an indoor cat. Um, But it was, it allowed me to really use creativity to play inside, indoors, that type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love to listen to records. And my mom had an extensive classical um, record collection. And so I'd listen to Bach and Beethoven. 
And there was, I, I couldn't even tell you what movement it was, but there was one piece that I would sit there with my eyes closed and just imagine a ballet. Like, and I didn't want to dance. I didn't, it wasn't a dancer. It was just in my mind creating images and creating stories with people moving about and coming and weaving in and out and all that kind of stuff. And I remembered wanting to set, set a piece with the neighborhood kids <laughs> at, at a local park. Yeah, That's awesome. They had, they had a jungle gym that was shaped like a castle. And I was like, oh, we should do like Sleeping Beauty or something in this yeah. castle. And I like, yeah. So that's kind of, I think, the first memory of like being a performer or like doing movement to music or anything like that. Then, of course, like growing up, you see it in the movies, Singing mm -hmm. in the Rain, Tap the movie was a very big influence with me. Gregory Hines was like everything that you could ever yeah. want. Um, and then, so then my sister had a baby, my eldest sister, and, and um, to lose the baby weight, I took tap class with her. And that was like the first scary, like going to an adult tap cap class at 13 years old. And um, I fell in love with it. So but you, I, didn't, you <clears throat> didn't technically start dance training until you were that tap class when you were 13? That technically was my first tap, like dance training. Yes. And it was, wow. uh, it was not um, like I wanted to be a dancer or I was doing mm -hmm. it for a career goal. It literally was just like going to soccer or going to, I don't know, violin class. Just, yeah. it's just something that I did for fun as a hobby um, and had fun and a, and a way to connect with my sister. Um, so yeah. And then from that, I was at Los, I lived in Los Alamitos, California which mm -hmm. was the home of OSHA, Orange County High School of the Art, Performing Arts. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that was their first location. And um, made tons of friends there. And of all, all cliques and all walks of life, um, was a social butterfly there. But some of my dearest friends were involved in choir. They mm -hmm. were involved in the spring musical. Um, and that's in, to hang out and play with them, you know, have extracurricular activities with friends. I started um, doing the spring musical, luckily. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then from that I joined choir. And from that I started working at Disneyland. Okay. Uh, yeah. So as a kid in high school, my job was like in summers I would teach swimming and diving. Okay. And then mm -hmm. I would go and do the electrical parade. <laughs> so yeah, started in parades. Um, but prior to that, I would say, um, I was lucky enough to do a couple days on the set of Newsies. Um, right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh. Like, what are these people? And like, there was a lady that had all these Polaroids on a, on a ring and she was continuity. Like, she just wore cute outfits and walked around and said, oh no, yesterday that sign was in your right hand. You know? And I was yeah. like, oh, this is... And yeah, I was like around 14 when I did that. Okay. And that was really, really cool. Yeah. And so then in order to get better parts at Disneyland, I started actually going and taking jazz class. I think oh. my first, yeah, my first jazz class was at Tremaine's in LA. And mm -hmm. um, I couldn't tell you who it was. <laughs> <laughs> All I could tell it was a free dance day. So everyone gotcha. and their mother was there and it was crowded and crazy. Mm -hmm. But it was exciting because it was like I was taking risks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so cool. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, total. And introvert but um but then i started taking classes locally in orange the south orange county at jimmy DeFore's dance studio okay. and that's where i started to really train 
and take class seriously. When did you think that that you made that serious transition to say, like, I'm going to do this. I need to be in class every day or five uh, times or as many times as you are. It was actually on my first outside of Disney, my first professional job at age 18. I okay. was on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to international tour. Right. Um, and that story is hilarious. So I had a friend who had an audition. He was called by his agent and he's like, Hey, can you drive me there? just so that she could read directions and just for moral support. So I said, sure. And I went and um, yeah, it was Anita Mann was the producer. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was sitting reading a magazine waiting for him to have his audition. And she came out, I don't know, either to go to the office or use the restroom or whatever. And she was like, hey, do you dance? And I said, yeah. She said, all right, after this audition, I want you to come in and like just do a time step or you know, do show me some dance moves and um maybe I'll put you on a cruise ship. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> but from there, it actually, what actually ended up happening was she was like, you know what? I don't want to lose the thought of you. So why don't you come to the um, Power Rangers callback? And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And if anyone out there listening knows Anita Mann, you know that this is probably not even strange or out of the ordinary. It's just mm-hmm. the way she works. She's brilliant. She's always doing multiple, you know, things at the time, you know, at the same time. So I went to the audition and at one point I thought I was li- like being considered for it. And my friends that were there were like, I think you're being considered for this. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. so then at the end of the night, you know, and Anita's just full transparency there is she is not like cryptic or anything so she's like right he could be the blue ray just discussing casting in front of everybody you know um just a free spirit i love it um Mm -hmm. and so of course my both my friends got the swing there was two two companies the west coast and the east coast cast and both of my friends got swings for both of those companies and um then she's like all right thanks everybody and then there was like really no word. She just like grabbed her bag and like swooped out the door. And I was like, oh, but what? I said, oh, well, she has my information. And I made sure that the, you know, the proctor had it and everything. And so then I went home. I had a pounding headache um, thinking that I had just lost like whatever the production contract was like, you know, at 18. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just lost $35,000 for a yeah. six month contract. <laughs> so I was quite depressed until the phone rang and it was um, Sonia, and uh, she's like, "Is Casey Johnson there?" And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "I'm all speaking, eighteen headache, migraine." <laughs> and she goes, "This is Sonia from Anita Man's office. Uh, I'm calling to to confirm a booking on the East Coast company of the Power Rangers." And I was like, "Wait, Casey, like." You know, I gave her my number. She was like, yeah, I'm on the phone. I called, that's the number I called. And so I was like, oh my God. I said, yes. And for what part? And she said, Lord Zed. And I was like, okay. I had never watched the Power Rangers at all. I had no idea who Lord Zed was. So, uh, but I just, I took it and I was so excited because I got to tour with my friend, Jesse. Long story short, too late. Nice. We ended up playing Radio City Music Hall. Ah. And, and I don't know in, in my research over the years for performing arts and trying to get better at what I do, I came across um, a biography for Liza Minnelli. And I remember Mm -hmm. there was a part that she was talking about how when she played 
Radio City for the first time. I mean, it's cavernous. Like, it is the biggest, right? Like, it's yeah. like, probably the biggest music hall in the States. I don't know. I'm not a historian. But um, it's huge. And she, huge, she huge. T- tells the story about how she goes out to just get familiar with the space and to, to soak up its energy and its history. And um, she got nervous and she had to lay down. And I remember her saying that. So I made a big deal. Like the first day I went to Radio City, I closed my eyes and I walked to center. Then I looked down and I just kind of like looked downstage and then looked up and saw it. And it did. It took my breath away. So just this exciting excitement of being in New York City, playing one of the biggest stages, even if Mm -hmm. it's just like an arena tour, um, at 18, taking class, Frank Hatchett. um, Ah, I took ballet. Minus Young. I took um, AC's class. You know, just taking these classes in um, New York, that's when I decided at 18 that I was like, no, 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 no. This is what I want to do. I want to be involved in all of this. And so, yeah. Mm, that's Those how that- are some good memories. I mean, Radio City is nothing to play around with. It's, I think it's four, four balconies. Is it not? Is it more? Do you think? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's massive. All I, remember, I know. I didn't I even like, go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. I feel like I we had a dressing room area, and my friend Jesse and I, we never really, whenever we could explore, we would try to find another space to occupy. And I want to say, like, we went two or three floors higher than the dressing room that they gave us. So I know that it's quite, you know, it's quite a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Even when you building. go... Would you go to an audition there or you go to talk to somebody there? Do you have to go to security? And then somebody takes you up and all of a sudden you're in this big giant uh, elevator and you don't even know what floor it's on. You don't know. I mean, you get out of the elevator and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm really high. All of those studios, all of those dressing rooms are so high up yeah. there. It's, it's incredible. The space is, I mean, what is amazing about it is the facade looks so small and you're like okay all of these people are supposed to fit through those set of doors right there there's like five six seven doors and then you know 10 15 thousand people are supposed to fit in there but then you go in and then it's just cavernous there's these beautiful stairwells and things are hanging and chandeliers and then people are like go downstairs and you're like i'm on the street level why am i going downstairs and then (laughs) you go into the theater and it just oh it's like wind and it just takes your breath away. It's it's, yeah. it's stunning. So of course, I see why you wanted to do it. It's a good a good first taste of that. Oh yeah. Um, but you were at Disney, and you said you were doing the parades. Um, at what age were you doing those parades at? Oh, uh, was that like fifteen or sixteen? Wow. And in the beginning, oh, let me tell you. So I auditioned, and I had four left feet, like <laughs> for training, and baby, I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't even get. <laughs> fourth pillar from the right. And um, yeah, it was actually a, a, an elective class in high school. They were like, oh, this is a new business class. So I was like, business class, that's me. And um, I signed up for it and it was called Vitalink. Come to find out three years later, I had done, like by the time I was a senior, they explained to us that it was for really meant for students who had no plans on going on to college that wanted to enter the workforce right away. And I was like, well, that's not me. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to use say I for psychology. Like, you know, that's yeah. not me. Um, but one of the projects, like I want to say junior, sophomore, junior year, 
was a job shadow. And so oh. um, I had auditioned for the Christmas parade and was cut. Mm-hmm. I had a great time, but I could not dance. And um, yeah, I was cut. And so then I went um, and ended up job shadowing the parade supervisor mm. and got a chance to get a backstage tour. They took us to the audio room to show us how like it's all, all the music's on tape and each little um, float has little sensors so that as it is driving into an area, it will trigger the music to come on. Um, gotcha. And I thought that was fascinating. I mean, this is in the 90s. So, I mean, technology, I'm sure the whole out, uh, the whole thing is operated a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was really kind of cool. And so at the end of that day's process of shadowing him, he was like, Are you, have you ever thought of like maybe performing in the, in the parade? I said, yeah, I auditioned, but I was cut. He's like, well, sign this backup sheet and I said oh I did I signed that at the audition he's like sign this one (laughs) (laughs) and so I did with my contact information yeah so you know it was it was a Friday you know um and so Sunday evening I got a call from Disney asking if I could be a replacement in the Fantasia unit oh okay yeah I mean I was um a broom oh nice yeah it was like one of those huge designs that they always you know think are really great Mm -hmm. and like to justify the price tag it's um a gazillion pounds (laughs) (laughs) and so and they built four of them and they're the prototypes they didn't really try them out they just were like that's it and they had cast four girls in it and they were too cumbersome and too heavy and they were hard on the girls so they're like all right well let's recast the girls in something else and put four boys in it. And so that's mm-hmm. what happened. And I got that opportunity. And that's how I started working at Disney wow. uh, as a kid. Uh, so that was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so to get better parts there, that's why I started taking, taking class. Um, but I also learned a lot about performance and um, dance through that job. Uh, yeah, and I mean Disney uh, is I I'm always floored when I see things when I go to Disney and I see things that Disney's producing. It's it's like the the mecca of entertainment. They have so many things. They try so many things. They have produced so many things. It's, everything is magical and I just um what a great learning opportunity and a, and a great business brand to, to learning all these things at such a young age. I mean, I guess no wonder your foray into entertainment was so amazing. Right. Um, and, and it was, it was a very fertile time for the company, mm-hmm. especially in, in California at the mm-hmm. California property. Um, we had excellent directors and producers. Um, mo- many of them still there, but like, I got a chance to do um, Fantasmic in 94, and it was still under the direction of Barnett Ritchie, who was just inducted into the legend as a Disney legend Hall of wow. Fame. Yeah, she is the one who single-handedly like, created the show, like down to the music and everything. Nice. So to receive direction, for, to audition for her and be cast and then receive direction from her, that was really special. Um, wow. And then a lot of the special events, directors like Daryl Dorr, um, you know, he had amazing things to to tell. And I, I think a lot of the things that I um, I try to be for cast members as a director today, I I gleaned from mentors and directors, of course, that I've had all my life. 
Right. Um, and, and most of them are the maintenance staff at Disney, Disneyland. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so yeah, it was I mean, really that, great. Um, so oh. you're, you're six, 15 or 16 shocker. I mean, I don't, I, nowadays you can't get a job like that until you're out of high school or in college. So kudos to you. Um, so you're doing that and then you're doing Power Rangers. When did you decide you were going to go to school? So, yeah, I was always an academic. Like, I loved school. I could, mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was on track to go to UCI for psychology. And okay. that happened after I read Silence of the Lambs um, <laughs> and watched the movie. <laughs> because I wanted to be a behavioral scientist yes. and, and study uh, yeah, the criminal mind. Uh, that movie, I mean, let's just take a little t time out. That movie is incredible. It's incredible. It, it was, not, and, and, I, and I applaud, and so does the Academy, <laughs> their work. <laughs> However, the movie that was being created in my mind as I read the book was much better, I have to say. Okay, <laughs> most of the times our imaginations will create the movie way better than it is. But I mean... And you know why that is? Is because the budget in the movie in your mind is there is no budget. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's Endless. Yeah. And there's only mm -hmm. one director, one cinematographer, and you play all the roles. So it's yeah. perfection. Yeah. yeah. You are getting all the parts yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So you're so yeah. you watched you watched this movie and you so, said uh, you yeah. I was gonna go to psychology. My mom was so happy because my nickname was the professor growing up, blah blah blah. Um and so when I told her, I had to actually tell her that I was taking this job at 18, leaving the house. So like taking the job, not going to college, leaving the house and the state. Mm -hmm. She was like, look, and she got very pale and was like, <laughs> what, what about college? And I was like, mom, I promise I will go back to college. Like that uh, uh, higher education has always been important on our, in our family. And it was something that I always wanted to do. So, um, so, yeah, but however, it took about a good 10 years to get wow. back to the, you know, of performing and going around and doing the gypsy life um, before I decided I wanted to go back to school for business administration. And what, so, what about, why 10 years? What about it? Did you finally say, yeah, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go back? Um, ten, yeah, 10 years of life experience. Um, mm -hmm. Wanting, having an entrepreneurial spirit, like gotcha. wanting, wanting to have like my own business, you know, like gearing up to work and have my own um, enterprise where mm -hmm. I could, you know, run a business for mm -hmm. myself, you know, um, I, I thought that would be, be important and useful. Um, a lot of people don't, but I just, I felt like it was another life goal that I wanted to uh, work toward. And I did. I got a lot of information uh, from it. And it actually has helped me just in my career as an artist. I've pretty much been my own agent, essentially, throughout mm -hmm. my whole career. So as I, make, I started making better choices career-wise once I started you know, studying the concept of business administration. Because you became your own agent in the whole entire process. Yeah, that's some that's, that's something that I I forget to think about a lot of the times too. Is I get so carried away in 
the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of a job or a event or getting something that I forget about the business side of it. Is this decision, how is it going to affect me in six months, 12 months, 18 months, and then five, 10 years? You know, can I thrive from it? Is it going to be professionally fulfilling? Is it going to be personally fulfilling? You know, financially, is it going to be something that I could see myself doing for a while? And I, when I was younger, I didn't have all that mindset. I, you know, I wanted to, I went from job to job and I really liked every job. And I was like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. But really, what was I sacrificing? Now that I think back on it, I could have saved more money. I could have done this. I could have made this decision. But you learn from all those things. Correct. And it's funny, um, not to jump the timeline, but just to talk about that type of thinking of yourself as a business. Mm -hmm. I, I tell cast members that I work with that you need to think of you, Inc., incorporated you're an independent contractor that was commissioned to provide a service which is your performance and you need to think of your performance as a product is that product meeting the standards set by the company that has commissioned you Mm -hmm. what is lacking what are your strengths SWOT analysis is something you learn in business school and that is something that you can use definitely as an as an artist what are your strengths and weaknesses your threats or opportunities and threats Mm -hmm. um these are things that you should be thinking about rather than am I going to get that job or I, I don't look a certain way or I'm a certain age. None of those things, they, I mean, those are important things, factors to consider when you're mm-hmm. considering what to audition for and how to navigate through your career. But as an individual artist, you're a business. So you need to be thinking about those moves and those strides and getting your mind right in that regard. Yeah. Um, um, and not, being like the monkey mind that we all have. It's like the ego will just completely sit there and pick apart every little thing that you do. Um, and, and, and what we learn later in life and later in our career is that it is that energy that actually kept us from achieving those goals, taking certain risks or putting ourselves out there to be seen mm-hmm. in the way that we we truly are our authentic selves. Yeah. You know, um, so every artist who might be listening to this podcast, you would do well to be as authentic as possible and to, you know, argue for your strengths and not your weaknesses. Yeah. No, you do. Yeah. yeah. It, it's cruising. is like I was telling, I think I was talking to Erica, you either, it's either for you or it's not for you. But when it's for you, it's really for you. Correct. Like, um, so, yeah. Correct. I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, and so that had the we did Broadway Tonight on that one, like some really sea legs girls Hollywood. Like it was back. I mean, Jean Ann Ryan, she is I it's arguable she is arguably the godmother of show production on cruise ships. Absolutely. At, at a very early age, I think it was like 32. Um, there's an actually there's an expose about it online that you can look up. Um, but it's about her at 32 being the producer of the cruise line shows on Norwegian and how she goes into meetings and it's a man's world. Don't get it twisted. Like it's a man's world. And at 32, she was like, no, no, no. These are the songs. It's going to be this. This is what the choreography is going to be. These are the costumes and it's going to be big and we're going to have tons of dancers and we're going to have adagio couples. And, and she just did the thing and she held it down for a very long time. And, and then from that, 
everyone thought they could do it a little better, and that's the nature, the evolution of any any one thing. But she was the you know on the frontier of it, and um, and it was awesome to kind of like experience that little bit of it um, right before she you know not right before I think it was maybe ten years before she was no longer doing it for Norwegian, but. Um, yeah, so there was that. I lived on Guam for a year and a half as a principal dancer at the Sandcastle. You know, so. I was I was just talking on the phone with Michonne, and I was saying, you know what, Michonne, we could all be in different places in our lives, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But you can't really put a price on the experiences you have when you travel. That's what I keep thinking back on my my experiences versus what I actually did versus what I could have been doing. I, much like yourself, have seen so many places like you, places that I would never even th- like think about I going. Could, couldn't afford to go to. Could not afford to. And if each stamp in the pa- in your passport could sh- reflect money or, you know, show a value in it, then traveling is, and that experience is priceless. Yeah. Like all those things. So I, I get it. I understand what you're talking about. Some people wanted to stay, but traveling, you, you're still performing. You're still doing what you love. You're seeing great places. So there's value in all of that. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so after your, you or you have this amazing traveling, dancing, uh, theater career, and then you go back to school. After you're done with school, what are you thinking? about doing so i'm thinking about well there was two things one of the projects in school um was to create a online business um and i created an online magazine i called Mm -hmm. it an online magazine but it was a one-stop shop and lifestyle resource where it was an online magazine but on throughout the pages as, as you scroll through you can click on some of the images. And so say like there, uh, it had like departments, food and wine, health and fitness, um, and clothing. And so say and there was like maybe a group of young individuals, 20 somethings having a party in their house and they're all sitting around a table and there's a fondue pot and they're laughing because the one guy has got fondue dripping off of his cheek. And it's just, very, you know, young models, whatever. You could click on the fondue pot. I'm giving away my idea. I can't believe this. I don't care. It should, it should <laughs> exist. You click, on, you click on the fondue pot and um, it'll take you to tools and you can purchase like Amazon. But this is before Amazon. You could purchase that pot and the skewers and all of this. You could also click on recipes and it would take you to little introductions to how to roll sushi or how you know the recipes fondue and all the different things that you can do um yeah and so i wanted to get a warehouse in glendale and like in the front was the lobby and then in the middle was the conference room for blue skying ideas and the writers rooms offices off to the side and in the back was the order processing warehouse and also sound stages for all of the instructional videos nice yeah, essentially, the and it was just, it again, it was a school project. So I had to create a business plan and come up with, like, a price, you know, pricing and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
one thing that I learned, like I, I could always return to that later, um, but it, it, it was just a focus and a discipline that um, it took a lot of time that I mm-hmm. possibly wasn't quite 100% ready to not be in entertainment and not be performing. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely you have to be committed to it. Um, so yeah, like that's, uh, that, that was the idea. Um, and w- I stopped actually performing to get a job in, um, production so that what? I might do well, do better in school. Hindsight being what it is, I would have gotten a tutor. Don't yes. quit your job <laughs> to do better in school. <laughs> you just don't do it. Get a tutor. Get a tutor. Get a tutor. So, um, <laughs> but I'm glad that I did because it led, it, again, was just one more step in the direction to what I am experiencing now, um, which is living the dream. So, what uh, is this? What is this dream that you're living? The dream that I'm living now is 100% autonomy in the work that I do. For example, as an independent contractor, I maintain shows safer. Norwegian or Legends in Concert. I have time in my schedule to have summers off to travel. I can, um, I have opportunities to educate in master classes, be on audition panels. I, um, I also choreograph musicals for like civic light operas and maybe um, I, I love working with high schools, doing mm-hmm. the high school musical. Um, Cause they're, I mean, they truly are the future of the entertainment industry and I want to make sure that I mentor and pay forward what my mentors gave me and I'm paying for that forward to the next generation. I get a lot of fulfillment out of that as well. So so yeah, that's that's the dream is to be at liberty to do that which fulfills me, I guess, or brings me joy and a sense of purpose. Did you, so you have a, you have a lot of aspects um, that you, you tackle and you tackle them all very well. And okay. you, you um, were talking about high schools and you went to one very, 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 very good high school in Southern California. Um, what are you noticing now about um, teaching high schoolers in the musicals with their attention spans and their history and their knowledge of the, the art form itself? Um. At the risk of being holding a belief not based on scientific fact, mm-hmm. we have a running a running observation within the cruise ship industry um, that we noticed that over the years the atten- like that attention span that you're talking about has changed, and we were trying to find the reason. Um, we and some, uh, actually a colleague of mine attributed it to No Child Left Behind. And the way that our youth are being educated in school. Um, mm-hmm. Some may argue that the critical thinking aspect of learning, the learning environment, has been sort of um, mitigated or somehow is not as prevalent as it was for older generations. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, that's okay. You, there's not a healthy sense of competition, not with other students, but with yourself. Yeah. You know? And so then therefore self-regulation falls to the wayside and that's so, but you know, and others might argue that social obligation is, is higher. And I, but I don't think that that is true at all. 
I think myopia, myopia is very prevalent. A lot of uh, the young performers today, starting in high school, um, are only concerned with themselves and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. I mean, but that is, that's true for that age group. So that's why I love so much working with that age group to tell them that, no, your, your opinion is valid, but you, you are also sharing the stage with other people. Mm-hmm. And you have a sense of obligation as a professional. If you are choosing to do this as a profession, it is, it is your social obligation to your cast and to the other people that you work, that you come into that creative space prepared. Yeah. Not just with knowing your, doing your homework and knowing your material, but having references to draw from. You have researched your craft in such a way that you have, have choices that you can make based on things that you've witnessed and experienced in the past. You bring those colors to the table. Um, I'm finding more and more that um, professional cast members are not bringing that and they're coming Mm -hmm. straight out of college. However, when I go and work with high school students, they are full of color and full of random choices that are so perfect and you couldn't plan them, you couldn't write them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's because of the environments that some of these directors, these um, theater teachers, they're taking them out to see shows. They're taking them to competitions. They're taking them to New York to see Broadway plays and mm-hmm. shows. So your, your the- today's theater teacher are underpaid and undervalued, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, which is another reason why the, the teachers that I work with, I, I do that out of support to them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of interesting to see that in high school, they have, they're, they're fearless, and then they go to college. So something happens between high school and college. Maybe it's because you took, you know, for say, for dance, you wanted to be in a company. But instead of leaving college and going in the company, you came and worked for a cruise ship. It's a completely set of different set of muscles. It's a completely different skill set. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, you now have student loans that you're paying for. But, you know, you still can use much of the stuff that you, much of the skills that you developed and learned um, and honed over the four years in college. But commercial dance is completely different than theater dance. Yeah. Um, corporate it, theater is completely different. Um, it feels mm-hmm. kind of the same because you're using your body much in the same way. But you're wearing heels. You're wearing specialty shoes. You have costume changes. You have wigs. You have lighting. You have to do all of this and learn all of the repertoire in a very short amount of time, not an entire semester to learn one piece. You have mm-hmm. to learn three shows in six weeks, and then you need to go and install that in seven to ten, sometimes if you're lucky, 14 days. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you go into the contract. So that's the one thing that I would say. Um, if you can... Foster, if I can, as an educator, foster skills to learn and pick up quickly mm-hmm. and still maintain your creative edge and still be present to offer um, offer information that will service the product, mm-hmm. then that, I feel like then that I'm, I'm paying it forward. And I'm only making my job easier because then in turn, those students live by example and, you right. know, it's ripples. And then it ends up coming back into my studio or my room um, where I direct casts and, and they're a little bit more open and feeling less inadequate. Right. You're getting you're getting to you want to affect the core of people that, you know, are going to be coming 
into your profession, into your studio, into your workspace in about 10 years. So five to 10 years. So you need to know that these people are getting trained really well so that they're ready for these big tasks. And I mean, people do um, disregard cruise ship entertainment sometimes too quickly. But like you said, the duration of time that you are expected to learn something and this is when when I was starting um, with Holland America. It well, we didn't have the luxury of going two weeks. We had the luxury of going five days, mm. and this was not like a a five or ten minute show. It was like fifty five minutes, almost an hour at some time in some shows, and I could not process how that process was going so quickly. <laughs> like I was lagging behind, still trying to keep up, wondering how are we going so fast and my body's just going, you know? So there's stuff to be said about that learning process that you just need to be on top of it. Like yep. I said, now for safety reasons and for continuity reasons, we there's a little bit more space in the process. And within that space comes really good direction and really good um, staging and really you're, you're able to use bigger props and bigger scenery and bigger things. And like where you're at, right now at NCL you're doing much bigger productions and like you said legends in concert is one that you're working on now correct correct um yeah I'm the sole resident director for it at mm -hmm. Norwegian we've been doing it on the pearl for gotcha. five, five years now mm -hmm. um and it's fantastic and I love it um and it's again a chance for me to educate still but the process um Ellie Kahn is my music supervisor Mm -hmm. And together we have nurtured casts over and over twice a year. Um, and the process, it just is ever evolving and it is very spiritual. And there is no way that you come in day one and leave that contract the same person. It is that's probably the central, most fulfilling thing is the light bulbs and the growth that we experience. And um, I actually just had a cast member, we did a run and I was saying, you know, maybe I feel that you're holding back. You need to give more in this one part. And she started to get a little choked up. And, you know, I don't want to embarrass her, but I want her to express those feelings, like let that out. Mm -hmm. um, and she couldn't without completely unraveling. So I let it go. And then I went up to her afterward and pulled her aside. And she's like, you know, I am giving more than I've ever get, gave. And I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, I don't have more to give. I said, that is, I know that you do. And that's why I've asked for it. And she started crying mm -hmm. and she said, I just feel embarrassed and I'm angry. I said, good, get angry. Cause that anger and aggression is exactly what I'm asking for. I feel like you're, you know, holding back and being passive. You're, you're actually performing the material. The material is not performing you. And so I need to see an opinion about what you're doing on your face. You cannot be stoic. This is, you know, this is theater. You need to express, you need to hold up a mirror to the audience and say, this is you. Mm -hmm. Or something that someone wants to be drawn and engaged with. And so, um, and she said, well, I just am embarrassed. I just don't want to be a disappointment. I said, you are not a disappointment. And in fact, and this is a new one, TJ. <laughs> you know, you've heard, you've sat through many notes. I should be. This is a new one. I love uh -huh. it. I think I love it. I'm coining it and you're hearing it. Okay. Here. Perfect. Those tears are just your baby teeth. You're losing, you're shedding them. So shed, shed them, shed those tears and lose your baby teeth and you get your big girl teeth now. And you're going to show me your teeth. 
like Gaga mm-hmm. says. Do you know? It's that's that's what it is. That contrast that you're feeling that she was feeling is just her growing up, and it's showing her in in having that catharsis and having that moment. It's showing her more of what she really wants and more of what she's capable of. That yeah, couple, yeah, that coupled with the thought of you have we all have survived our worst days thus mm-hmm. far. The yeah. worst day you've ever lived so far, you've survived it. Yeah. And you're right. It sounds like same sort of kind of scenario. I had to tell someone and it's like, you, I told him, I said, you know what? You just need to tap yourself on the shoulder and say, self, get out of my way. You have to <laughs> let yourself just go forward, you know, and stop standing in your own way. And that's, that's a perfect example. And, you know, as a, as a director and as we, we were working together, you had that knack for seeing people's potential that they could not see for themselves. And that's um, a gift. It really is a gift to see that. And, the, and a lot of people would break down. They were uncomfortable with that because they couldn't see that in themselves. So hearing that the girl this performer thought that she was embarrassed, but there was nothing to be embarrassed about because you as a director already knew that it was there. Um, she just had to find it somewhere. So that's amazing. That's an incredible story. Yes. I love it. In this profession of dancer, director, choreographer, if you had to single-handedly just choose one, what do you think it would be? Um, my first quick answer. First answer. First answer, director, for sure. Fantastic. Um, Did you ever want to be a choreographer? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I enjoy it. I used to, I used to teach a Thursday uh, jazz class, and I had, I call them the um, Orange, the House Housewives of Orange County. Yes. They because it was ten o'clock on a Thursday, so the majority oh. of the class were housewives. You know, yeah. kids were in school, laundry yeah. was done. You know, now they're going to go do their fitness and they would come and take my class. And I did a heavy, you know, I did lyrical, I did uh, jazz funk fusion. I would do a lot of musical theater. And so yeah. there was choreographic uh, muscles exercised. And I tried to give as much choreography in the combos as possible to get their money's worth and have fun. Yeah. So that always was kind of fun to me. But as a choreographer, I wouldn't say that that was my calling. Um although I do enjoy it, but like where say you studied dance at a collegiate level, I feel like you steps come to you in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like if I had to say, I mean, not to answer your own question, but I would say you are definitely a choreographer Mm -hmm. because you see dance and its possibilities in such a way that you can almost create an entire piece without music. Mm -hmm. And then, and then music, and it could somehow be then fit to music. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so you're like this. No on, the, no on the choreographer could, yes, on the dancer, but you're going straight for director. I'm going that straight That makes all the sense. Yeah. Yeah. All the roads seem like it led to that pretty easily for you, especially like after, I'm, I'm guessing after you went to college, there was kind of a path that you took was either doing this online magazine or kind of going into this directing field in, in production and the behind the scenes of, of, of entertainment. Am I correct? Yeah, or is that correct? Is, nope. Yeah, it's totally correct. That's awesome. So now you're with NCO and your sole 
director of um, Legends in Concert. What else are you doing? So, yes, I have um, the Pearl doing mm-hmm. those, those shows. And then there is a new uh, Regent ship. So Norwegian Cruise Lines is Norwegian Cruise Lines Holdings. Yeah. And part of the fleet is the Norwegian vessels, the Regent vessels, and Oceana mm-hmm. as well. So Regent Cruise Lines are coming out with a new ship called the Splendor. Nice. And it's pr- currently being built. The mm-hmm. final touches are being put on it. And we go into production for four brand new production shows in October. Fantastic. And casting actually out casting that that um, cast right now. New new shows and for a new ship is a big process. It is a br- huge process. So the cast will start rehearsals on like, say, the 15th or 16th of October. Mm-hmm. And the contract that I signed for that is through February 21st. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, you're on your own personal seagoing contract with this land contract. Yes. <laughs> so we are in the studio until like December 22nd. Then we leave for the ship. Yeah. And it's, but it's like everything is brand new. The, the theater, the ship, everything is new. So, you know, each team has to go in and do, you know, they have to hang the lights, then we have to design them and, there's sound work that has to get done. and The most fulfilling thing about brand new builds and brand new ships is being the first one to peel the plastic off of something. That was me with on the, the new Holland America ship. I peeled the plastic off of my deck phone. I was like, this is perfect. It, and like, and every, yeah, everything smells new. And it's smells fresh. new. And they're bringing you things into your cabin every single day. They're like, that's where the couch is going to go. No couch, <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> Just a sign, couch. And you're like, I got hey, my cool. lamp today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so little things here's yeah. your bedding and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and does it and then it's just going through all those steps and it's it i mean you're the first person to like lay your head on that pillow or lay in that bed or shower in that shower and this ship is going to be sailing for a good amount of time and just yeah. knowing that like, you're the first person of hundreds of thousands of people that are going to come through it's it's incredible it's a really good feeling great um great so you have some awesome projects coming up um and i'm excited to hear about all those things uh, so thinking a little bit more into the future what does casey johnson see himself doing in five to ten years Ooh, five to ten years so um i well first and foremost um i did a triple threat camp in 2006 oh okay yeah so, um, and it was, it was another business model that came uh-huh. out of that schooling. Um, but it's a, uh, a summer intensive for two, a two week intensive that, um, students from 13 to 18 live on a college campus mm-hmm. and they receive five classes a day. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, there's a tap and ballet that alternates every other day. So they'll get five tap classes, five ballet classes, a jazz technique class. And then a voice class, an acting class, and then one other elective, which is a split on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's Tuesdays is music theory, reading music, and mm-hmm. Thursdays is ends of the industry. So, or business of the biz. Like it's like, um, what does an agent do versus what does a manager do? Mm-hmm. Um, quarterly taxes, saving for your future, insurance, all that good stuff. That like to equip them for a career in the performing arts. Mm-hmm. Um, in their voice class, they work on their audition songs. Um, and then those 32 bars or whatever they need 
is then digitally edited with all their notes in it. So there's not chicken scratch on right. it. It's clean, comprehensive, you know, sheet of music for the piano player to play. Um, mm -hmm. And in their acting class, they work on their monologues. They write a monologue based on a personal experience. Um, say, um, you know, then they learn about the anatomy of a scene and, and mm -hmm. scope or scope of a, uh, arc of a character or of a show. Um, all of these, like, they're all introductions to professional concepts. Mm -hmm. uh, then we give one of them, and then they get a masterclass in the evening. So um, it could be hair and makeup, learning on how to put lashes on properly, uh, spirit glue and wigs and stuff like this at 13, you know, mm -hmm. dancing, dancing in heels, ballroom, African, hip hop, uh, vocal, vocal performance from like the light of Broadway or a TV star. We've got Matt, like, I would say like Shoshana Bean has agreed to come and do some stuff. Uh, friends, I have other friends that I grew up working at Disneyland that have now careers on Broadway. Um, and I'm really excited about them being involved. But it's a chance for um, kids to sit down in the summer and, and study this craft intensely. Um, mm -hmm. And headshots and resumes will be produced. So when they leave, they have an audition portfolio and um, some auditioning skills that they could then take into the next, take their performance careers or study into the next level. So I definitely see in the next five years, me starting that up and having that done regularly. Right now I'm looking to try to do it in three different cities. Mm -hmm. um, I live in Arizona, so I'd like to do two weeks in Arizona. Nice. I'd like to do two weeks in Southern California mm -hmm. and two weeks in Hawaii, actually. Oh, nice. There are a lot, there's a huge student body of talented singers, dancers, and actors in Hawaii mm -hmm. um, that always have to bear the expense of flying to the mainland to get any type of summer education. Um, and of course, people, there are certain offerings that come to Hawaii, but I thought if I could just bring that offering to them, that could mitigate some of the costs. And um, it would also give my teachers a nice little vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I thought I would give that back. And you had mentioned me, Sean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, uh, she will definitely be involved in that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's just another chance for me to re reconnect with a lot of the relationships that I've uh, developed over the years and for us to be of service to the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the plan. And then I would love to get into the opera world. Ooh. Like, yeah. Like maybe an associate director to start just to observe. Uh, I've done two operas with LA opera and I love the experience. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, to do art on that scale, it's so incredible. And to be so, I think it would be really nice to um, get involved in that. So I see myself, but not just like Arizona or LA Opera. I mean, like go and live in Barcelona for a month in the mm -hmm. summer and, and, and experience European production. And, and let that inform the way that I direct or create here in yeah. the States. So I see myself doing that. Broadway is always an option. I, I would love to get on a, broad, a Broadway production team as a director and associate or of any kind, choreographer mm -hmm. or director. So I see myself trying to engage in that, um, in that way in the next five years. Nice. And, but I'm also extremely happy with the course um, that I'm on right now as far as the, the current work that I'm doing. 
And, oh uh, yeah, of course. Uh, NCL is is it's doing. It's still doing. It was doing. It still is doing. And its its future plans sound like it's going to continue doing amazing things. Yeah. So I I can only imagine this is supplementing some time that you have off. You know, with all those new projects that you're doing. You know. Yeah. Trying to fit in two weeks to do this amazing camp is probably pretty difficult now. So you have to kind of get yourself into a flow, and then some some of these things will just happen by chance. Correct. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, Casey. Let's do a little top five. Okay. Let's do top five things you should be doing in your theater career, acting, singing, dancing, um, to set yourself up for success after. Because I know you've had, again, you had a really successful career as a dancer and then you transitioned to choreographer. Now you were talking about business. So what are some tools that you think you need to set yourself up? Okay. Um, well, not in any specific order. Sure. Okay. Um, I think <clears throat> first and foremost, and it starts with this podcast, is taking concerted effort in the development, your development as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that it is up to you to do that in order to grow. Like yep. that's the first step. It's not just like, oh, I've decided to be an artist. Give me jobs. Like, yes. Yes. You have to nurture the relationships. You have to take a concerted effort in the, your development. And and with that in mind, I say try everything. Um, huh. Even if you just dabble at first, you know, like a weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. If you're a dancer, take an acting class. And who knows? You might enjoy it. You might even be good at it. And yeah. so that, and that's where the, the camp was burnt, born out of that. Like there are seasons, there's singing se- auditions season, mm-hmm. there's dancing audition season. So if you are, the more versatile you are, the more work you might be able to achieve or attain. So mm-hmm. plus it helps with decompression, takes your mind off of your studies or, you know, try, try things outside of your comfort zone, um, specifically outside of your comfort zone. Because I feel like playing, playing it safe doesn't foster survival skills. Mm-hmm. And so why not take some risks, take some chances before you have to. Yeah. Uh, along that same line as taking concerted effort, effort as a development of an artist, it would be save money. Um, $25. I remember when I was young, I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't rub $2 together. But if yeah. you have a job and you are smart with your money and you decide to save just $25 a week. Look at just $25 a week. It's $100 a month. Um, it, and put it away and don't touch it. Just mm-hmm. try, try to be disciplined and try to be resourceful enough to do that self, do yourself a favor. Um, do if, your future if, self the favor of doing that. If I could tell my 19-year-old self anything, it would be to save money. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's the best advice ever. Save. You're right. Twenty five dollars is nothing. You could do it. It seems like it's a lot of money when you when you're doing it, but at the end of the year, it's it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Continue onward. Saving same, money is a- same 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 bullet point with the effort in your development is find time, make time in your life for spirituality. And I'm not talking about go to church. I'm talking about getting your mind right, mm-hmm. and that is connecting with your inner self. And with universal energies on a deeper level, mm-hmm. make time for stillness throughout your day, even if it's just taking a moment to have mild reflection on how your progress as an artist is going. Um, like a painter who is busy painting, you need to step back 
and take stock in what you've achieved thus far and resonate in a, 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 a palpable vibration of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the only way to take those benchmarks and, and, and show yourself you are achieving and you are, a, you are growing. Um, yeah. So that's number one, take a concerted effort in your development as an artist. Mm-hmm. Number two, they, it has been said that you grow from year to year based on the people you meet and the books you read. So you need to read. Yeah. You, you need to read. It's important. Read everything. Um, and then on that same hand, reach out to people that, and make connections with people who inspire and fascinate you um, that you've always admired. Try to connect their people too. They're just like you. Every single person that you admire and fascinates you has a story, an origin story. Um, it'll challenge you to um, get put yourself out there. Um, they might have interesting career transition stories as well. Um, if you are trying, if you're a dancer and you want to be a producer, you can't hang out with your dancer friends all the time. You need to go and get mm-hmm. in those circles to get close to and relate with producer types. So be versatile in your actions and in your. Um, I guess your your connections with people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Number three, fight to maintain a work-life balance. Um, you have to nurture your relationships with people outside your field. In performance, dance especially, we always gravitate toward like people. And mm-hmm. so then you're like-minded. Everything that you hear, everything that you say is just affirming what you already know and believe. Very rarely are you challenged um, on outside things outside of your profession um and that is because you have to create those working relationships um but make time for people outside your field um ask them about the challenges they face um and you'd be surprised at the information that you can get plus it's great research if you're an actor um but yeah maintain a work-life balance and you'd be surprised people that are outside of the field are sometimes going through the same exact thing. They might not be on stage or they might not be a performer, but their their experience could parallel your experience and in turn, you guys could help each other in your own separate worlds. For sure. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, Four, never burn a bridge. Yeah. Uh, In -hmm. life, I feel like in life, one needs all the allies one can get. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and relationships that are maintained by hardworking, self-regulating, and that's in bold, self-regulating professionals mm-hmm. are where most opportunities come from. Um, if you are worth your salt, you respect your, your craft, you come in ready to work, that type of discipline, it, it has lasting, uh, a lasting effect on people. And so if, if you want to transition into direction or choreography or stage management even, um, th- people who are already doing that or move on to do those things, they, oh, I remember working with you. You know, it's like you, that the world is so small. The, inter- the entertainment world is so small. Mm-hmm. It's only natural that you will progress into a creative function and mm-hmm. use whole, you know, your whole career. All the, you know, the breadth of your work will inform and be useful in other ways. Um, but if, if you've, made strong, lasting relationships with people, that's where a lot of the opportunities come from. Yep. So never burn a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and five, like I said, be of service. I think that sometimes we work really, really hard on our, 
our careers and our crafts that we forget that it's important to use your power to help others whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that kind of goodwill. It's good karma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that if being of service and not and taking some time away from your, I don't know, pursuits and, and being so focused on yourself, if you could take some of that energy and that, that, that focus and put it on others, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's good for your, your karmic energy. Absolutely. You become a, a, a bigger and better part, bigger and better citizen of the world for sure. I can, yeah. can only imagine. I mean, all of this, such good information. So many great experiences, Casey. I really appreciate all of all of all of the stuff that we've had that you've had to share with me. I mean, I'm so looking forward to teaching at your camp. Look at me, I'm just asserting myself into the situation. Oh, no, so you're totally on the faculty. <laughs> you're completely on the faculty. That was like a no-brainer. Whatever I'm, you want to teach. I'm completely involved. I can't wait for it. And do you know what? I'm like, I when are we gonna collab on this online magazine click thing? Because I, I'm I'm in for it. I could see it. I'm ready. It's- I think we're going to do it because, um, and yeah, it's a great way for people to come and contribute to the magazine and we could have a luncheon. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's have some fondue. Exactly. We'll have some fondue. Take some pictures. It's great. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of this. It's of been a pleasure. And I'm so proud of you, TJ, um, for creating this forum um, to get the community together and talk and provide yeah, like you said, stories and information that maybe you don't get in class, you yeah. don't get from other people. I think that this is an awesome venture that you're you're going, and I'm glad that I'm a part of it. Um, I can't wait to come back and maybe talk about something else, whatever yeah, you yeah. want, you know? So. Absolutely. I want to bring people on all the time, and, you know, it's about experiences, it's about knowledge, it's about sharing, all of those things, so I'd love to have you back anytime. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.